Hello everyone, you're listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike on Sin Nation. I'm Daniel. I'm Christian. And I'm Amorette. And and today, we're, just a bit of a warning, we're going to be talking about some rather touchy topics. Today, we're, we're pretty much going to, we're going to be talking about sex, pretty much, but mostly mostly sex education, and first and foremost, and rela- and just general relationships, romantic relationships, that is. We will also be featuring an interview with Robin Ashley, a young person on the autism spectrum, so mm-hmm. look forward to that. Letting you know, you can like us on Facebook, um, on www.facebook.com forward slash Great Minds on Sin. And you can also follow us on Twitter um, at GTM, uh, GMDTASYN. Uh, we also podcast all our shows, plus the special features like full interviews through our Sin webpage on uh, www.sin.org.au uh, slash Great Minds. And we're talking about sex education. Bit of a trigger warning. This topic will be discussing issues such as sexual abuse. So if this issue affects you, you can call 1-800-737-732. Also, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. So guys, we were speaking a little bit earlier about this, uh, these issues around sex education in schools and especially with people with disabilities, how ridiculous it is that there just isn't sexual education that is needed. And quite often we have a desexualization of people with disabilities in the way that quite often it is thought that they are not sexual beings and do not mm. explore their sexuality in that case. What are you guys thinking about this? It's idiotic. I'm mm. just going to be as blunt as I can. It is moronic. Uh, I, I can't think of enough, any other words to use. It just sums it up. Idiotic, moronic. It, they're all people. I don't know people who believe that are imbeciles. End of story. It's just it's just ignorance as well. It's just mm. complete it, no recognition of the fact that either yes, um, people have disability. Why why do people expect that to cancel out any kind of sexual development or any kind of sexual interest that? <laughs> Is just something that you know, anyone who isn't asexual has. It's well, sex is natural. Mm. It's natural. It's it's me- it's actually it's a it's an activity that's actually meant to be done. And why do they think that people you know people with a disability or uh, any kind of physical or, or mental difference don't need to learn about it? You mm. know, or, a, or if they're a high school student, or don't feel it, or like mm. don't feel sexually aroused. Everyone does, or or most people do. The vast majority of people do, and why is it so, why is it such a touchy topic anyway? Because people yeah. because people make it into a touchy topic. Exactly, so, and yeah. I think there is the those people who think, oh, if we um, you know tell them about it, if we talk about this this subject, then they're going to go out there and they're just going to do it, <laughs> and they're going to be everywhere just doing it, mm. and that could be, t- be potentially harmful. The thing is that if you don't explain to anyone that what sex is and the boundaries around that and the things that can occur and the things you need to keep in mind, especially sexually transmitted infections, uh, they're going to go out there and they're still going to have sex Mm. and they're going to do it and they're going to be possibly put in a situation where they can, you know, um, have a, you know, get a sexually transmitted infection from someone. Not just that, but then they not necessarily know about the boundaries around sex and, you know, affirmative um, consent and things like that that are massive in um, in just sex in general and mm. the knowledge behind these things is really important and people go into their first time not knowing 
where it's going to go yeah, and or what, what to exactly, do. Exactly. And, and that is harmful to them, not only um, possibly physically, but also mentally. The, you know, those uh, negative experiences early on in yeah. your sexual life can really affect yeah. you later on. And some people mm. have panic attacks when they do it for the first time. You've got to mm. be aware of that. Mm. And also, we read an article earlier today which, in which they were in which they said when it comes to sex, ed- sex education classes, like within the classroom, people with disabilities are often left out, like they're asked to leave when the topic comes up. And honestly, can you think of something more humiliating and insulting than being asked, oh, you can leave, this, is, this doesn't affect you, you're not going to experience sexual pleasure, you know, <laughs> one of life's greatest pleasures, which... So. Uh, well, I think the scary thing is that they actually think that it's they're saving them humiliation by asking them to leave. It's as if they're saying, okay, we, we guys, we know this doesn't apply to you. We, we know that this, you know, if you're struggling in some ways to develop friendships, um, developing well, re- romantic relationships are going to be out of the question for you. So therefore, yeah. this just does not apply to you, so we're going to save you the pain. Yeah. And you may be excused. We're not going to force yes. you to stay because clearly you don't want to stay. Yes, you, um, you're not <laughs> going to partake in one of life's greatest pleasures mm. and you're not even going to need to have to use a condom. Mm. And it's, yeah, again, like those those basic things around sex education that you don't even get taught. And I remember my sister um, went through, and we were talking about this earlier, sex education at a special school. And it was run by a group of uh, almost like sort of family first type group. Mm. Um, and like family first have really come a long way. Uh, not family first, what am I talking about? Family planning, family planning. I'm not oh, yeah. Family first is wrong. Family planning. No, it's not a political uh thing um anyway and they've come a long way in how they deal with certain topics you know abortion Mm. and things like that however this class was so basic that it was literally this is where a baby comes from this is how a baby is made it that was that was it that was Mm. done and then it was let's have a smile circle and all be happy um and so there were so many things that when my sister was starting to become sexually active that she just didn't know about. And it mm. was really difficult for me and her carers at the time to then explain to her and talk her through those processes. Um, and it, it became really embarrassing for her. Mm. And she was really, like, upset that she hadn't been able to have this ex- the experience in sex ed that I had had, mm. which was extremely comprehensive. Mm. But still, mm. uh, even that lacked certain aspects of sex such as affirmative consent um we didn't even go into uh, you know different you know, asexuality we didn't talk about mm. bisexuality no no never uh homosexuality no so these mm. things weren't even touched on it was all like oh sex, sex education is just about um you know a, ma- a male and a female having sex and that's how this works mm. um these are the things to watch out for sti wise um don't get raped. That was literally <laughs> that was sex Seriously? education. Uh, and Seriously, my hadn't even had that, so th- she was coming from it from a point where she barely even knew what to do. Obviously, she knew you know the penis goes in the hole, but mm. um, <laughs> apart from that, she didn't know any of those other first you know time experiences that mm. can occur. Or well, which hole? No, I think she she knew uh, that. Yeah. She knew that. How old yeah, was she no. at, the, at this time? Was was she, she so she was a teenager when, well, when she um, was given, no, it was just nineteen twenty when we were first discussing this. Oh, and oh you're kidding me! Exactly. So I was twelve you know, when we first heard 
when, we, when oh. I first did sex education. Well, yeah, like we had been at school um, together for quite a while. And we, in year four, you have your first, well, at my school, anyway, uh, you had your first sort of talking about mm. mum and dad and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and so obviously she knew that, but it was the real nitty gritty of it that she hadn't been really mm. alerted to. And that's scary. If you mm. go in blind, then you don't know what you what you can do and then you don't know what that person is going to do mm-hmm. and how to even talk it, talk about it and bring up that conversation about, hey, you know, this, this is my first time or even mm. your second time. If you have mm. a big gap in between, it can be like, oh, it's basically coming into this just like a virgin. So uh, there's all those sort of things that people just don't talk about and that mm. schools really don't want to go there. And you find it a lot in... Um, Catholic education and Christian education mm. settings as well. That it's very like, nope, we're not even going to go there. God and will help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Now, I'm just I'm just going to make a point here about about people believing that it that it's most that sex ed- education should be between men and women. Out of the three of us in this in here, I'm the only straight person. That is true. That is true. So, yeah, queer people exist, I suppose, is the message yeah, exactly. here. And we're um, on the radio. <laughs> yes. Watch it. I, th- I, th- I also feel like I should add that I think part of the problem is that people just don't seem to understand that um, if you have a disability, um, you that doesn't mean you're going to be a child for your entire life. Exactly. You do grow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking mm-hmm. about pregnancy is the early primary school version of sex. So that's where you start off with that. That makes sense for, yes. any, for an eight-year-old. But you have to progress beyond that. It's, yeah. It's when just, you get to year 12... Mm, uh, you're not talking about this is how gestation works and a lot this of people, is a penis. A lot oh, of people by year 12 have already done, have already had sex. A lot of people. Anyway. Yeah, people mm. are getting younger and younger, but the sex education does not develop mm. at all. But it should develop as people develop, and people develop a lot. Exactly, and mm. in a quick period, like... Uh, you know, puberty, they always talk about what happens around puberty and, you know, we can get periods. Oh, they get periods and they can get a bit cranky. But then they don't talk about how sexual, like, sexual, and you think about all that stuff when you hit puberty. Mm. And they're not thinking, you know, as soon as you start getting those sexual feelings that you're going to want to have sex, it's like, oh, but you're just worried. You're just thinking about your period or you're just thinking about what do I do with this hard on that I have and <laughs> things like that. And mm. it's. There isn't even that conversation about that on the, at those early sort of stages when you're getting into, you know, year seven or even mm. year six. And mm. people d- are developing earlier and earlier. And, and also, also if, if people aren't willing to talk about it, it would be kind of worrying for a boy having his first wet dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, these things... Are, yeah, like, you know, it, it might be worrying at first. Like, they're thinking, what, is, is this normal? What, what's happening? And, but they're not willing to discuss it with anyone because we've made it such a taboo. Yeah, mm. exactly, mm. just to even talk about it. And mm. so many parents um, don't have the dreaded talk um, and they'd leave it quite often to... Uh, to uh, What am I trying to say? To schools, that's the word I'm looking for, schools, mm. to, uh, to educate their child on that idea. And you need to talk to your kid. You need to let them know that it's okay to have those discussions and mm. that it's really not embarrassing and that, you know... Or it shouldn't you be. You know, like... We have had sex, and we had you. So yes, that's it. And it's just, it's even the same with um, you know homosexual couples who are bringing up kids. It's the exact same 
issues that we have that we're not always co- like adults are really uncomfortable talking about it to their kids and of course kids are going to be uncomfortable because they're like oh mom dad oh you're so embarrassing like why do you have to talk to me about this but it's really important yeah mm. absolutely and and yeah something we should we should we will go on to eventually is talking about talking about knowing the boundaries which a lack of sex, sex education can lead to a lot of lead to a lot of serious issues in that area. Uh, now we're going to be moving on to talking about um, people who are both queer and, well, mm. on the autistic spectrum, neurodiverse, have a di- have a physical disability, um, p- people who are, who belong to both minorities, because we're going to think of them as minorities here. Yeah. Both communities as well. Um, now, as I stated earlier, I don't belong to either of the minorities. Uh, well, I'm a I'm a straight person. I'm in the majority. But are so, you? Yeah. What about neurodiversity and? Mm. Oh, neurodiversity. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm on the spectrum, but yes, that's 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 what I meant. So yeah. You don't. You, yes. Mm. Um, Sorry. So yeah. That I I don't belong to a sexual minority. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, we were sort of looking into you know homophobia around people with. Asperger's, so Aspie people who are, you know, Mm. experiencing homophobia from the wider community. And that's not just necessarily uh, experiencing it from a body people. It's also experiencing it from people in their own community, so other people who are on the spectrum. Um, And it's a horrible thing to experience Mm. homophobia and, you know, transphobia. And to be that person who's come out and is comfortable and is saying, you know, this is who I am, you know, screw you, um, and then have someone come back and say really hurtful things, uh, people seem to think that, uh, uh, like a lot of people I know, seem to think, well, it's not that bad because you're comfortable with who you are, so you shouldn't even listen to that person. It's like, but it still hurts It's easier said than done. It's, e- it's hard to ignore people. Exactly, mm. exactly. Hmm. And it, do, it doesn't come easy. Learning to ignore someone is hard. It, Rome wasn't built in a day. I like that phrase. Mm, yeah, very very applicable to lots of situations. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's... Sorry, I've got a cold. Um, it's also particularly uh, d- disturbing when it's um, someone who's neurodiverse um, and who you know, has, has experienced... Um, who's often experienced a lot of... You know, um, a, a lot of bad words and a lot of... Um, people who can't accept them just because they're different um, to then, you know, and, and who have spent most of their lives asking for acceptance for being different um, and to then be homophobic, you know, whilst having all of that experience for, you know, people who can't handle you being different and people who are discriminatory, um, to, you know, to know what that's like and then to uh, give that to another group um, just because they're different in a different way, which is a bit meta. But uh, I don't know, I, I just... I, I just think, if anything, if, if you belong to one minority, sh- surely that would give you, a, you know, a better understanding of what it's like to belong to a to a different you know, to, to a different one. Surely that surely that should help you to be a little bit more understanding, and because you'd know what, in a sense, what that is like. Um, I don't know if you guys can sort of relate to that, but um, uh, I hope you guys haven't really come across many people who um, are neurodiverse and, and homophobic. Um, but I just, I, 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 especially if, if they're doing it in order to feel that they're more normal, because you know, well, I'm insecure because I'm neurodiverse. 
but at least I'm not queer. At least mm. I'm heterosexual. So that at least reassures wow. me that I'm normal in some way. Wow, wow. Mm. You, you deserve a badge of honour for, mm. for being like most people in that sense. Because you're <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> exactly. And that sort of it's it is hard to think you know that someone from an or, you know, already someone from a diverse background comes out and says oh but you know I have these other I have some friends and you know they're gay but no no I don't no no not even gonna associate with that I don't even think oh. about that like that's wrong. And it is hard when that person, you know, they're already coming from a diverse background. You really want them to understand where you're coming from, and that you just you want acceptance. And that person cannot accept you for who you, are, like the hundred percent of you. They can only accept the, the small part of you that is like them, almost, if you could say mm. it that way. Um, if that even makes sense, I think it makes sense. Um, so yeah, homophobia—it's it's a horrible thing, and unfortunately, it's far too common you know it's I'm lucky to have not come up against such things said to me um, mm. and to have experienced that but I think unfortunately that it, it is very commonplace and although a lot of people um, are accepting and understanding of those differences and you know there's still going to be that one one in ten person who's going to say no nah, I don't fucking care and you know you should go die and you know, God mm-hmm. says no, and all that sort of stuff, which is <laughs> oh, I've, I've never heard yeah. I've never heard someone say that gay people should go die. No, actually, I have, but yeah. I haven't heard someone say that in person. It's it's more I've mostly heard people say that they need to be cured. That it's that it's a disease that needs to be cured, but it's not. It's not. I mean, no. seriously. I mean, okay. You, you don't if if someone doesn't understand doesn't doesn't understand homosexuality well that's fine if you're not if you're not homosexual you're not going to understand you're not going to understand it but that doesn't mean you can't accept it mm-hmm. mm. Mm. and I think also the mm. key thing here is we're talking about acceptance not tolerance mm. because mm. talking about being tolerant is an incredibly backhanded way yeah it's a kind of like saying oh I don't like them but I put up with them. Um, we we all, yeah so we also wanted to talk about this idea of um, heteronormativity, um, which I, I suppose basically is this idea that everyone is heterosexual by default, and you can just ex- assume very very easily that any random person you meet off the street or whatever um, is heterosexual, and you only have to talk about people who are not heterosexual. Um, <laughs> if it's explicitly mentioned, um, and I particularly um, ran into this. Um, Unfortunately, a little bit at the at the Victorian Autism Conference, there was um, there was a presentation about um, teenagers on the spectrum and um, sex and relationships. Um, it was a very informative presentation, um, provided that uh, you were heterosexual. Um, if you're not a heterosexual teen, um, it was not really relevant. And one mum, yeah, it was a par- it was an audience of parents. Um, you know, when it came time for questions, um, one mum put up her hand and said, "Well, you know, that's all very good for the teens who are straight, um, but what what if you're queer?" Um, and unfortunately, the presenter basically just dodged the question in two different ways, like saying, basically saying it's unlikely. Um, you know, it's well, yeah, we, we know, we know it's unlikely. We know statistically, it's less than people who are straight. Um, that doesn't mean it's zero. It's that, just that doesn't means, even mean it's hmm. unlikely. That doesn't mm. even... Me- it does not mean that at all. 
well, okay, well, yeah. I, I didn't even feel that's the point. The, the, yeah. the point really is that um, not everyone is straight. So I just don't think you can do a, a presentation on sex and relationships um, anymore. Um, mm. It's terrible that you were even able to do this before, but especially now, and, and just not cover anyone who does not identify as straight. Yeah, I've come across it a couple of times, different conferences that I've attended um, with, like, friends and family who have disability. And it's always this way, that it'll be, oh, well, yeah, we're talking about um, sex and relationships and friendships. And no, you're just talking about relationships and friendships. That's (laughs) it. And I went to this one that was a youth conference, and there was clearly some people in the audience who weren't getting the answers to the questions they wanted because the whole thing was it was youth talking about relationships and sex but they didn't bring the sex into it all they said was you know you can have a girlfriend you can have a boyfriend and then it was like if you want to go out just let your mum and dad know and maybe they can drop you off what are you serious right now and this guy put his hand up and uh, he was severely physically disabled Mm. and it had clearly very hard for him um he was not confident and he was very shy and he was saying that he really had feelings for his carer and he didn't know what to do about that and she's older than him and he's in his last year of high school um and he didn't know how to come and and say that to her and talk to her about so we're speaking to robin um hi robin how are you i'm good how are you so can you can you just um to just to begin um what's it like to be an lgbt and autistic young person well for me personally i don't know any difference between being typical um uh, inverted inverted commas normal um and being um, LGBTQABCD, but for me, I suppose I found it uh, difficult to come to to terms and understanding my feelings when when figuring out my sexuality and sexual identity and who I was. It mm-hmm. was probably a bit harder than what some people would would assume would just be an automatic thing, just, you know, realising and identifying as something is different. What was it like growing up in your family as a, as, as a queer person? Um, well, coming out was a, a really long process initially for me because um, my family is a very Christian, religious family and um, being Christian and um, having, having those beliefs, it's beliefs that, you know, being queer isn't, you know, necessarily the best thing for you and um, yeah, it's not it's not something that you would wish for your daughter to be and therefore I had a lot of trouble accepting myself because of that and then whilst coming out I um, I, I was told you know that I, I wasn't I wasn't acceptable in in that way and that, that was quite hurtful I suppose um, and, and coming to terms with that um, that my family wasn't as accepting as I would hope them to be was really quite difficult. But um, it's it's getting easier now. Um, mm. People are getting <laughs> getting used to it a bit more. I've been out for five years now, and um, I suppose coming out as a young person as well was um, also difficult for my family. Saying you know, oh well, this is just a phase. You know, I'm just a, you know something that I need to just work on, and it's probably because of not being accepted generally by other 
member members of the public you know just because of other reasons and um you know, i think it's it's eventually come out in the wash that it's not something that i've chosen or not something that i've just made up um so okay so just yeah following on from that um so um so robin who who were the who were the people who you felt um, in your life who you felt really um were quick to accept and helped you um in, in understanding that you were that you are in fact queer and coming to that uh, level of acceptance that you that wonderful level of acceptance that you're at now um, self acceptance that is um, I actually got involved with a a young person's um, youth group essentially um, based in Melbourne um, called minus eighteen and um, how I met a lot of a lot of other young queer people and um, uh, it, going to events and um, you know, socialising with other people who identified as um, as gay and lesbian, bisexual, trans, or or other different um, identities, sort of helped me accept. Hey, I'm not the only one, you know, who's feeling this way, and wasn't the only one who was just this quiet, shy <laughs> little yeah. person standing in the corner, going, "Oh gosh, okay, hi," <laughs> you know, I I um. It, it took me it took me a while um, to feel comfortable and to be as comfortable as I am now with my sexuality. But meeting people and spending time with other queer people um, and that online community that I found with minus eighteen was um, was just brilliant. What um you know LGBT sorry LGBT and um, autism issues do you think don't get enough attention? Um, and that you think that you feel passionately about? Um, I've come across like, a lot of people that I've spoken to who are queer, like the majority of young people that I've spoken to who are queer have also got some form of autism spectrum. They're, you know, the majority of them are Aspie or Asperger's. Um, mm. And whether that be bisexual, trans, gay, lesbian, um, any anyone, they identify as queer in some sort of way. The majority of people whom I've met who have um, Asperger's specifically um, have been queer, and that's always something that I've wondered about, and something that um, that's always been a puzzle to me as as to why um, such a large amount of uh, queer people do are uh, on the autism spectrum. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely noticed um, there is quite a, a, a large community of um, you know queer and Aspie people as well. Yeah, um, do you think that queer Aspies are accepted in the wider LGBT community? Um, I think, I think so. Yes, I think that being. LGBT, everybody in the LGBT community has had to go through some sort of situation where they've not been accepted for who they are and just being themselves. And I think that being being on the spectrum and being queer is um, something that's, you know, we've all been through at some point, we've all been through um, something that's, you know, had people question us and whether we're weird or crazy or... <laughs> um, in in some way or another um, and therefore being accepted um, as Aspie or just a little bit different mm. um, 
comes more naturally to, to people who have been discriminated against in, in one way or another in the past. See. Um, so I suppose I'll ask the same question, but but the opposite way. So um, have you found that the uh, the autistic community or the Aspie community um, has been accepting of, of you being queer? So the other way, do you think the true is the same? Do you think it's, it's true the other way as well? Um, personally, I'm not 100% sure because I don't have... I've maybe only got one or two friends whom I know whom are Aspie and aren't queer. Um <laughs> Like the majority of my friends who are on the spectrum are in some way um, in the LGBTQ community, and um, but I would I would hope so. I would hope mm. so that um, being able to accept um, being able to accept people for for who they are wouldn't come as a big a big issue or a big deal to other to other people on the spectrum. Um, right. So, uh, was there um, was there anything else you really wanted to add to what you said? I think that if you are if you are queer or questioning or anything um, to do with LGBTQ, ABCD, community, <laughs> and and anything like that, that you you don't have to think that you're alone because there is a majority of people who um, who are you know, questioning and identify as not normal. So, um, yeah. Thank you very much for speaking to us. That was an interview with Robin Ashley. And and now we're back and we're going to be talking about... We're going to be talking about Aspies in relationships with other Aspies. And uh, now this now this is something I can talk about because, because my girlfriend is also an Aspie, like me, and it's been... It's been easier than than I might have initial than I might have initially thought, but that doesn't mean that there hasn't there haven't been difficulties as well. So, um, hmm. like the fact that she was Aspie was that one of the first things you learned about her, or was it one of those where it was? It, something... it was, yeah. We oh. I, I attended Asperger's Victoria. Oh yeah, and yeah. so yeah, and she was there. That's where I met her, and oh, okay. I, I'd assume yeah. she wouldn't be there if she wasn't an Aspie. So yes, that was oh, one of the first things I learned about her. Hmm. And yeah, that was one of the first things she learned about me as well. Hmm. hmm. But obviously that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, you know, meeting in a bar or in a cafe and like, oh, I'm Aspie. Oh, you are too. Oh, we no, should, no. You were in a room full of Aspies. Yes. So, so. Yes. Yeah. Was it love at first sight? <laughs> no, no. We were actually both taken at that point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, a bit so, of intrigue there. <laughs> but yes, we're, but we definitely, we're definitely on different intellectual pages. Not Neither one of us, I'd say, is smarter than the other, but we're mm. different. We've both got different types of intelligence and and different conversation styles. I was like, like for, for example, uh, we often watch films together, and I'm someone who likes to to discuss the film afterwards, whereas she's someone who just who just likes to say, "Oh yes, I enjoyed it." Mm-hmm. But that's it. So yes, th- th- there are those there are those sorts of different sorts of differences. I've, but you see, the big difference is that she she doesn't actually see the point in long conversations. She, she's, she's someone who uh, she's okay with just embracing the silence. Just she can, we can just do nothing around each other and, and still enjoy each other's company. Whereas I was, I'm not saying I can't do that, but I was always taught that relationship. Sorry, that conversations were key. That if there's a break in the conversation, oh, something must be wrong. Something's good, not right. But that it's not like that at all. I've, and that's what I've learned. That's something I've learned from her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
So has there been, like, uh, any times where you've come up against people being very critical of you two being in a relationship together? Yes. Yes. Oh, not exactly critical. I can think of one person who I'm not going to name. Uh, yeah, at, at, f- at first he, he asked... When we when we made it official on Facebook, like, we didn't actually say... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he then asked, "Is oh, is this relationship with Daniel or is this is this relationship of yours with Sam, That her name's Samantha... And so, uh, she, and of course, he's then asked. He then asked on a public forum on Facebook. So, what what do you like about Daniel, or in my case, what do you like about Sam? And of course, I, no, I thought you shouldn't ask that on a public forum. So I started a conversation with him, and he's asking me to explain what it is I like about this person. He's assuming, oh, do you have do you have a lot a lot in common? And the fact is, we don't have a lot in common, really. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact we're both Aspies, we don't. We don't have a lot in common, and and he's saying, "Well, then, why are you dating her?" <laughs> oh, yeah. And I said, so. "Well, I don't want dating is not about having things in common. You don't want to mm. date yourself." Mm. And he and and so he's then saying, "But you've got to have something in common. Like I've, I've noticed, you seem a lot more outgoing than than she is. So I don't know how how can that work?" <laughs> and he does he doesn't seem to know realize that what he's saying is actually kind of insulting. Yeah. Mm. And and at some point I said, "Well, we." I, I mentioned one thing we had in common, and then he's then said, "Oh, okay, it could work." That's yeah. weird. It's, there's, it's sort of like prying. Like, mm. you know, you've just started a relationship with someone, and mm. you've said, "Yeah, you know, we're in a relationship," and then suddenly this person just comes up and starts asking you all these questions about it, and you're like, mm. "Seriously, dude, mm. chill." Like, well, it's more like it's none of your business. <laughs> yeah, mm. exactly. And and also, he at first he asked it publicly on Facebook, and and plus why. Why does he seem to think that being in a relationship just means having things in common? But then again, like, that might just be something that he's sort of learnt, that you have to be the same as the other person, you have to like the same things to then like each other, so to speak. Well, that's just really, like, a childish image. It's it's all like the primary school version of... It, yeah. You know, like yeah. You know, how how do you how do you make friends? Oh, we both watch the same TV show. We both play the same game. Best friends forever. Yeah. yeah. No, so no. It's, it's, it's that child's like that. view of, of what you know of what it's like of what relationships are like. Hmm. Very very different to the no. adult reality of. No, relationships are complicated. Mm. Very complicated. Mm. And and plus, I think I think the fact that she's a lot more she's a lot more introver- she's a lot more introverted than than I am. In a way, that's a good thing. Because what I find is that if someone, if I'm so, if I'm if I'm with someone who's really extroverted, at some at some point, if if there's a problem, I'm it's likely to lead to me losing my temper. Whereas if a problem arises, I I just can't bring myself, I can't bring myself to lose my temper with someone who's really introverted. Hmm, I find. That's so I mean, it's we've we've managed to avoid we've managed to avoid a lot of fights that could have that could have happened. Oh, that's good. Do mm. do you think you could explain why mm. you you find it harder to lose your temper with someone who's introverted, whether that be Sam or whether it just be anyone? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I I, I, fi- I find it hard because I I if if they're introverted, I get the sense I really get the sense that they don't they didn't mean to they didn't mean to make me angry or it's like they, they weren't going out of the way, it was completely an accident. I get more of a sense of that, whereas if the person's a, a real extrovert, it just seems like they're, make, they're not... It just seems like they don't, they don't seem to care, I find. I don't know if, it's, if this really makes sense, but... Oh, I, I can see where you're coming from. I don't really know if it's true for every person, oh, obviously. It's not, but no, it's not true for every person. This is just a very personal thing. Hmm. 
Um, mm. but yeah, it could be true for some. And Ooh. and so, yeah. Now initially, that no, there there had there have been issues. There have been issues in this relationship, which which I'm not going to go into too much detail about. At f- initially, I didn't see myself going out with someone like Sam. I, I initially did see myself going out with someone who was more extroverted, and so I had had to get used get used to that fact that she that th- that this person wasn't necessarily the person I initially saw myself saw myself dating. But but actually, you know, I've learned I've learned more about what I need mm-hmm. as opposed to what what I might initially want. Which I think is a which I think is a really good thing, and I also also because we're both Aspies, it actually ma- becomes a lot easier to discuss a lot of things that that people might think you don't discuss that with your partner. If you do, then it's get, then the relationship's going to end. We're we're actually pretty relaxed with with a lot of topics and, and discussing them. And I think that's what people struggle sometimes to wrap mm. their heads around. Like mm. I, I see it a lot with people who. Um, Especially people like who have a physical disability dating someone who doesn't. There's like, but you know, isn't there a big disconnect between you two because you're clearly you know physically <laughs> challenged and this person's clearly not. It's like, well, no, like the it's not the first thing you necessarily go. Oh, they have a disability. Oh, like stay away. And it's like when you just said before that you never saw yourself dating someone like Sam, hmm. and then you were saying because she's an introvert. So many people would assume that as soon as you said that, that you meant, I didn't see myself dating an Aspie. Or that, you know, Aspies and Aspies need to date. Or, Mm. you know, Aspies don't date. And things like that. There's all these common ideas that that's just the way that things are. That people with disability are going to date people with disability. And -hmm. they're not going to date white people. And, you know, people who um, are on the spectrum are more likely to date someone else on the spectrum. Not Mm. necessarily true. No, it's it's not necessarily true. And it shouldn't Mm. be be viewed that way. And... And and so, yeah. But we're able anyway. It's, we, we have we have spoken a lot today, and <laughs> I definitely think we need to do this again. It was mm. very mm. very informative, I think. But it's Ooh. time to wrap up. So thank you for listening. You were with Amaret, Christian, and Daniel. See you around.